Hi, everybody, and welcome to another informative episode of Green Nickel 101, your source for eco-friendly EV nickel discussions. My name is Leo, and I'll be your host today, and with me is John. Hi, everyone. Uh, today's discussion is based on the basic science around a battery. Now, I know it sounds a lot to unpack there, but we're going to try to keep sounds it... Sounds a bit intimidating. Intimidating. Though. I agree. So we're going to try to keep it simple because we're just a couple of simple guys, right? Let's keep it fun. Yeah, we're not scientists or anything, but you know, this is how we kind of unpack all the information that we've re researched over months and years for John, basically months for me, maybe. And... Um, just want to kind of give you a high level idea of how a battery is constructed and it's important so that you understand as we talk about battery metals and all that sort of thing why nickel and other metal uh, metals are important um, but before we do that let's get quickly recap our previous episode john i had a great time last week i don't know about you so did i great you know that was the green is the new black and black as in oil. And we talked about the last hundred years and, you know, where we came from burning gasoline uh, in our cars. And it's amazing. It took over a hundred years of us doing that burning. Mm -hmm. How did you, what did you call it? Dinosaur remnants? Yeah. Fossil fuels. Fossil fuels. That is predominantly made up of dinosaur <laughs> remnants. Yeah. You know, I got an interesting uh, response to a comment from someone on our inaugural podcast. Uh-huh. Episode one, and uh, along the lines of nickel is the new oil. And the individual said, well, yeah, maybe by 2025 or maybe in a decade or something like that. It was mm -hmm. kind of a, one of those mm -hmm. snide comments. Uh, another one was how so, and I had the opportunity to explain it in a little more detail, which mm -hmm. I enjoyed doing. But in particular, well, this individual said probably not until 2025. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, you might be right, but... If that is, in fact, the case, and the whole purpose of our previous podcast is to be fortunate enough to invest in the battery supply chain or invest in, or for our purposes here, invest in nickel, you'd want to get in a little bit early. Sure. Because if you wait till 2025, yeah. you're probably going to be too late. Yeah, you're on the right side of that uh, comment. I mean, uh, yeah. saying it, hey, it happened in 2025 and it's 2030, it might be, hey, you're a little late mm -hmm. to the party. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's interesting how we, uh, you know, went through all that. And, you know, the drive over the last 100 years to an electric vehicle revolution. And there's been some butters and, you know, along the way, like in the 1970s, there was a great documentary there from uh, about GM's uh, Who Stole the Electric Car. Uh, I remember watching it years ago. I, you know, I'd love to watch it again today to put some perspective to it all. But, you know, it wasn't until pretty much recently since Tesla really started being the disruptor, you know, in the, in the space and basically honing up and putting money behind it to actually create a production car people actually liked and bought mm -hmm. and uh, it's amazing where we are today and they're producing i don't know half a million cars and uh, uh and well, i know china's got a whole bunch of manufacturers probably doubling that yeah to, to, to you know to bring up tesla and the fact that we're going to explore the battery a little bit mm -hmm. more today um battery obviously tesla is more of a battery company than a car company I, explain that well, what do you I mean, mean by that, John? What I mean by that is, is the the techno, you know, the the vehicle is the byproduct, if that's the right word, and maybe it isn't, but it certainly is the byproduct of the battery. It's all about Tesla's ability to efficiently store energy uh, in a right. battery format, and once you have that battery, well, you can use it in 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 the domestic use. You can use it in 
transportation. Storage. You can use it for microgrids mm -hmm. to supply power to remote areas. Mm -hmm. You can use it to supplement uh, main uh, municipal power uh, requirements as well. Mm -hmm. So I think you're, it is more about the battery than the yeah, car. Yeah, I think you're bang on with that. As a matter of fact, I think last week I actually commented on if it wasn't for the current configuration of the you know the battery and the efficiencies that they were able to achieve and the cost per kilowatt hour. I don't think uh, Tesla would have been uh, a proper like it would be a, a you know um, a real life uh, case study. I, I, it would be more of a case study, less of like it would be a proof of concept, but not like real, right? Mm -hmm. um, we talk about efficiency and uh, the energy density, quick charge times, lower cost per kilowatt hour, and all that, and all the various metals that make up the chemistry of the lithium ion battery, which we're about to kind of like get into a little bit more of the anatomy of. And uh, more importantly, how nickel plays a very important part of this whole evolving balanced, let's, if I may use the word trifecta, of the balance between energy density, quick charge times, and cost per kilowatt hour. And you know, safety It's a balance. Well. Yeah, safety. and all that has to be done in a way where we don't blow things up, of course, mm -hmm. yeah. and we do things in a safe way. So with all that out of the way, let's transition to today's episode. So um, let's unpack the science around the modern electric battery so our audience can get a high-level understanding of battery metals, how understanding this technology can, you know, better prepare them to make informative decisions, not only as consumers, but also as investors. You know, there's a lot of opportunity here if you really understand the trends and where things are headed. And we are at the doorstep of that, the dawn of that. This is a great opportunity to make some decisions today to help uh, in a, from an investment point of view down the road. Mm -hmm. So let's quickly break down the electric battery, shall we? Sure. All right. Now, a lithium ion battery. We talked about, you know, lithium is a very big part of it. Sure, there's ions in this in in in, in, in the chemistry of it and all that, but there's metals involved too. Uh, and they're made up of several parts like of, of the battery components. Components. components yeah. Right. So part of this, a big one, the workhorse apparently is the cell. The battery cell. This is where all the magic happens, right? And it's a very critical component of the battery. Now, there's different parts of it, of course. There's like temperature gauges and like battery there's management a lot of secondary systems. components. That, yeah, that, to keep in it its safe. pure form, though, the battery is composed of two electrodes, those being the anode and the cathode. Right. Uh, for current lithium ion purposes, there's a liquid electrolyte. There's a separator mm -hmm. between them to keep both environments uh, separate mm -hmm. uh, to prevent short-circuiting and things of that nature. And then obviously that goes to feed a load, which is in our, the case of what we're talking about now in the, uh, with the EV environment, it would be the electric motor. Right. So the load could be an electric motor, it could be lights, it could be whatever that's actually drawing the power. So in the cell, let's picture a box, right? The way you explained it, let's picture like a shoebox or any kind of box. In the middle is a separator. And the separator keeps, uh, and, and, and the box is filled with an electrolyte, not to get too complicated, but they're, they are working on improving solid state technology so yeah, at some I, point I, it could be a solid but let's picture it as a liquid i would an assume electrolyte. That, that again the, the lithium ion technology is here and we also mentioned in a previous uh, episode that 
uh, we're into the battery decade. Not to say that it would be limited to a decade, but it, at this point in time, logic would dictate that solid state would ultimately replace lithium ion, which only means that you're replacing the liquid electrolyte within the battery with a solid polymer. Okay. Gotcha. So the components are all still the same. same. If anything, you'll have maybe a smaller anode, a larger cathode, more room for energy density in the solid state environment, and uh, supposedly a little bit safer as well. Okay. So for the purpose of our breakdown here, let's let's just say that polymer, solid polymer, that could be in the future, let's, let's keep calling that a, a liquid electrolyte that it is today, most, sure. most battery uh, compositions. So the, the, the electrolytes, you have lithium ions that are able to permeably transfer from one side of the separated box to the other, and, and they can go in both ways, depending if it's charging or discharging. Do I got that right so far? Okay. I, believe, I believe you're spot on, but if we're wrong, I'm sure someone hey, out there will correct us. Listen, I'm sure we're going to get a lot of people and, uh, you know, professors come, listen, you know, we're calling us out. We're, we're, we're not scientists. We're nickelheads. We're definitely okay. nickelheads, yes. And uh, But you know what? I think we got it. I think we have got a pretty good understanding of it. Now, on let's call it the left side of the box, right? Uh, I mean, depending on which side you're on. But let's say your side, your left side, you're looking at one of the, uh, what, what were they called? The uh, electrodes, electrodes, right? Yeah. So you have an anode, which is uh, a negative side of the battery. And then you have the cathode, right? And, the, and that's positively And the cathode's charged. what contains all of those good things Cath that we're excited about. Right. For the case of our, our okay, so let here. let me ask you. So the cathode side is where you have that metal mix of whatever ternary, ternary. Okay. We said tertiary last time, but I, I think well, you know, maybe, tertiary is proper too. But ternary is more ternary, specific yeah. to the three parts, yeah. three parts metal um, composition, right? So uh, on the cathode side, that's where you'd have the nickel, the manganese, the cobalt. Uh, maybe uh, some some uh, composition, including uh, aluminum, or you could have other configurations as well. And what's interesting, Leo, is is um, when referring to the cathode and referring to the uh, sequence of numbers that are referencing the ternary metals, it's like a little, it's a simple addition game. It has to add up to 100%. So if there are six parts nickel, and three parts, uh, or two parts, uh, manganese and two parts cobalt totals 10, 60% nickel, 20, 20. And, uh, you know, one thing that seems apparent today is the more nickel you pack into these cathodes, the higher the energy density, the further the range, et cetera, et cetera, which is why, uh, it appears that in the industry is rapidly moving towards the 811 chemistry again. Next generation. Almost 10. Right. 100%, 80% nickel, 10% uh, manganese, 10% cobalt. Right. So I'm glad you 
got there because uh, that's exactly where I was going next. Uh, we I came, read your mind. <laughs> uh, well, that's how good we are, right? We can read each other's minds, right? Um, plus, we have some talking points here that help us out, John, <laughs> for our audience members that uh, don't take us too seriously. Actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go off the grid here, off off our little script. Yeah, I was laughing the other day because we were using all, we were using these phrases about energy density. And it kind of took me back to a, a movie from the 80s that we probably grew up with, where one individual said to another, you are my density. I mean, destiny. <laughs> and I had a play on words going there. Like, really, for the purposes of our podcast and our discussion on nickel, energy density is our destiny, right? Yeah. And I just, by the way, the movie was Back to the Future in case. Oh, great movie. Love that movie. Didn't know. One of my favorites. But, you know, going, let's talk about the roadmap where we, we had a 622 configuration, which was 60%, you mentioned nickel. 532, then 622, uh, we're at 8. And now we're moving into 811 which is we're pretty much at the start of that. And I know it takes a long time to retool these manufacturing plants and whatever to, you know, change things up. But, you know, with the cathode specifically, this is where those metals and those ratios or percentages yeah. are and, composed. And what, what is interesting is, is you know, to have a concept, because I think the concept of 811 has probably been around for a while, but to have uh, the scalability, to use um, another phrase from Elon Musk, to, use, to be able to scale, to take a technology and have it scalable into a full-size production format is a whole other ballgame. And that's why it's taken a little bit longer for them to implement the 811 configuration. Yeah. But from what I understand, it's mainstream. Going from concept to proof of concept to uh, production yeah, are and then, big and then, strides. And then, and then addressing the factors we talked about balance okay, mm-hmm. and having a safety component in there as well so. yeah um so it's been around for a while though the 811 configuration it's not like you know it came out of research last yeah. year and it's been around i i read some documents uh you know we we actually have um the objective has been to reduce the amount of cobalt in a battery for re- economic reasons cobalt's expensive mm-hmm. uh it is more rare than nickel mm-hmm. and manganese, and there is some uh, social component to that as well. Mm-hmm. Most of the uh, cobalt in the world comes from the DRC, the Democratic Republic of Congo, and there are issues. You there know what? With- Correction. I, I looked it up last night. It is just Congo uh, where most of the cobalt comes from, but the DRC. It's confusing because that whole area has been in wars and all that. Right next to it is DRC, and I don't like. They're two different countries apparently. <laughs> now there's a, a divide, a dividing uh, imaginary border there. But no uh, point. But taken. they're loaded with cobalt. They're loaded they're, with cobalt. They're probably lacking in uh, human rights and and uh, and, and proper social responsible mining mining methods. Yeah, yeah. You know what? It's actually in a future episode we're going to kind of talk a little bit more about that because I think it's a really important part of the green conversation that we're having and to not really dive into it would be, I think, an injustice to what mm-hmm. we're trying to do and what we're trying to discuss here. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, we're interested in the investability, the opportunities with these metals, but at the same time, we want to do it in a social and economic and, uh, sorry, environmentally safe and friendly way. Um, but I need to I need to give a little shout out here, John, because, uh, and by the way, folks, uh, you know, some of these um, facts and whatnot, we'll have them available for you in our bio or comments 
uh, in the podcast. So after the podcast, go ahead and click through and check out our bio there for these links. But there's a specific uh, uh, link here, which which is titled No Next Generation um, what we know about the next generation NMC 811 cathode. It was posted back in 2018 by Research Interfaces. And uh, what's cool here is, you know, they mentioned it's been around for about 20 years, tested, peer reviewed, all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, at the same time, uh, so it's been real research. And just recently, you know, has it been starting to roll out into production? And I'm not sure how, how, you know, how much saturation there is in the market right now of these products. But we're at that doorstep. We're at that transition and that roadmap, which is quite interesting. And from an investor point of view, it's satisfying for me to know that as an investor in these battery metals, right, that 811 means there's eight parts more nickel, which is much more environmentally friendly and can be mined in a socially responsible way. And that's, you know, we'll get into those kind of discussions because it matters. It matters a lot. And that's actually our next episode. So I don't want to go too deep into that. Yeah, sulfides versus laterites and yeah, and all that kind of stuff and, and the environmental impact of one over the other. But um, what's, what's good to know from my perspective is the new configuration actually has more nickel in it which is actually good and you know nickel is a little bit more abundant uh or or uh, uh, help me out here john well it is, i'll tell you it's um the issue today is that there is a supply gap in battery metals okay um you know the, the mining industry has gone through a tremendous drought um and as a result, there's probably been a lack of investment in new projects. And as demand surges in the near future, supply is going to have to fill that gap. But the problem is that, that mines take a number of years to bring online. Whether they're sulfide, nickel sulfide deposits, laterite deposits, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, whether or not we discussed uh, if, in fact, we're entering into a, a mining or commodity super cycle, probably have to leave that discussion for another episode. Well, you know what? You're in time. luck, John, because we actually have it scheduled in today's uh, spotlight section. So there's a growing number of industry experts out there that believe we're pretty much at a super cycle start or dawn. So we'll um, explore that in the future, but just to finish mm -hmm. off on my point here, um, you know, mines take a long time to get going, years, mm -hmm. and uh, as a result, supply gap, demand is starting to surge, supply is going to take a little bit while, uh, more time to fill that gap, requiring a lot of investment, etc. And I was actually had a discussion with someone who is from Sudbury, and for all of you out there that are not aware, Sudbury is one of the centers of the universe when it comes to nickel sulfide deposits. Sudbury, Ontario, Canada. Yeah, originally, in for those for now those LA. outside of Canada, right? Yeah, or outside and he of the said province. that that you know with this uh, reality that mining has been in such a tremendous drought over the past decade or more, um, and the world is growing. Uh, Consumption in China, consumption in India, et cetera, et cetera. You know, you're still going to get, although EV and 
the battery revolution is there and it's a significant part of the upcoming demand, you're still going to get a lot of draw for your more traditional uses for uh, metals and nickel in this case being stainless steel plate and things of that nature. But having said that, so now you're in a situation where you say, oh my God, there's this supply gap and which creates a great investment opportunity, by the way. Okay. When there's a supply gap, there's an opportunity for investment uh, and profiting from investment. And my analogy on mining in general would be, <laughs> and let's, we said we were going to have a little bit of fun with this today, right? So I'm going to just use well, a yeah. visual. So okay. I think I'm going to have to tell you to close your eyes again. All right, let's Just like it. you did when we <laughs> went back in time to the 1900s when we were talking about nickel is the new oil. Right. So you're going to have to relax, close your eyes, Take and envision that you're standing on the edge of the Florida Everglades. Got it. And you're wearing nothing but a Speedo bathing suit. Oh, John, please put... Scary some, sight, I know. Yeah, give me some khakis or okay. something, right? <laughs> okay. Now you have to basically hike and wade through the Everglades, fighting off alligators, snakes, poisonous spiders, pretty much everything out there that can kill you. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you finally get to the other side of the Florida Everglades. And guess what you find there? You find... The starting line. Okay. <laughs> to get to the beach. The starting line. And the starting line is now you have to climb Mount Everest. Oh. But here's the good thing. Okay. Yeah. You've gone through the preliminaries. I'm, right. I'm kind of creating this whole mining scenario yeah. analogy here. So you've, the good thing is that you've gotten rid of the snakes. You've gotten rid of the alligators. All the you've risks. You've gotten rid of the poisonous spiders. Right. Now it, you All just have threats. to climb the mountain. Right. 100 uh, meters a day. And, 500 and assuming... meters a day. And it, it, it it's all about internal fortitude and your ability to climb the mountain. So. Right. Hey, great analogy, John. And on that note, let's take us into our spotlight for this week. This week's spotlight has been brought to you by Tardison Nickel. Tardison is advancing its high-grade nickel sulfide project in Ontario. Class 1 nickel, an essential component in battery production. The Kinbridge Nickel Deposit is heading toward a production decision, expanding a resource in an environmentally safe and efficient way. Tardison Nickel, TN on the CSE. In this article, Goldman Sachs is proclaiming the dawn of a new commodity super cycle. You'll be able to read this. Check out our bio. We have a link to an article that was reposted at mining.com from routers, basically talking about this super cycle. So, John, what the heck's a super cycle and why does it matter? Well, I think a super cycle is just um, putting reference to the fact that there's been such a drought in the mining sector. Well, sectors are cyclical, Leo, mm -hmm. okay? And the world has abandoned the mining sector for quite a long period of time. Prices have collapsed to the point, and again, it's economics, to the point where there's been no new incentives to invest new money into new projects. So again, to reiterate what I said earlier, supply gap forms, economics kicks in, prices start to come up. And with those higher prices is the incentive to invest in new projects. But these cycles take years and years to occur. So it's a cyclical play. It's a cycle. Is it a super cycle? Well, her guess is as good as mine. I say yes. Gotcha. Well, you want to read more about it, check out our link in our bio and uh, some great information there and why, you know, let's hear, let's hear, you know, listen, opine on our 
Twitter or Instagram. You can find us at our handle GreenNickel101. We'd like to hear back from you. And uh, on that note, uh, we've reached the end of the show here, John. Another episode uh, out of the way. Thanks for joining us. We hope to see you next week as we break down the good, the bad, and the ugly of nickel laterites versus sulfides and why one is much better option over the other. Plus, Canada's unique position in this EV revolution. Don't miss it. Uh, let us know what's on your mind again. Again, you can find us on both uh, Twitter and Instagram. GreenNickel101 is our handle. We will answer questions in our next episode uh, in our spotlight section. Uh, so, you know, be sure to leave comments and opine. It's okay to do that. And remember, we upload new episodes every single Monday. And until next time, think nickel and have a green day. Thanks, everyone. Tardis and Nickel traded on the Canadian Stock Exchange symbol TN or over the counter symbol TTSRF. 